Hi, and welcome back to the Mob Mentality Show. My name is Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we have Steve Quo with us to talk about uh, deliberate practice, uh, um, how FizzBuzz is the, the best code caught around, and uh, collaborating with fellow crafters and how you kind of immediately know it. Uh, but before we get into those topics, Steve, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction and then we can dive into our topics. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Chris. Um, so my name is Steve Quo. I'm a, a developer coach. I'm currently with Industrial Logic. Uh, I have been a code crafter, uh, what I would consider a code crafter for way too many years than I want to count, and I'm not going to. Um, and I, uh, I love to write code. I love to help people write code better and get better at things. Uh, I'm also one of the uh, hosts of the Seattle Crafter Meetup. Uh, and I live, eat, and breathe code. At the same time, I like to have lots of fun. And as one of my colleagues mentioned just the other day, I can't help but coach. Uh, I have kids. I coach kids. I work at a company that's full of crafters, and I coach crafters. When I'm working with crafters, I coach myself. That's just <laughs> some of the things I do. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I guess... Uh tying into coaching uh and i'll say I, I coach kids too recently when my kids got into sports so uh <laughs> and uh so that's that's fun there's a lot of uh uh synergy back and forth there and one of the things was coaching is deliberate practice and i'm really curious about um you know your thoughts on katas and especially uh misunderstanding of misunderstanding of katas so uh yeah what are you thinking here you know <clears throat> so Katas. I, I love to do code katas. Uh, I think that they're a very valuable, effective tool. They're, they're wonderful ways to get in and write code. Um, at the same time, I was doing code katas for many years, and I would do a kata for a little while, and I would do it once, twice, maybe three times, and I'd sort of figure out how, how to do it, and then I would move on to the next kata. And I would do the same thing. And I, you know, I went through the traditional ones, you know, the bowling kata, the braces kata, fizz buzz, all those. And I would just do those. And I got bored with that after a while. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's just a code kata. I figure out the problem. Then I stumbled across a guy's, uh, a, a white paper or a research paper by a guy named K. Anders Ericsson, where he's talking about um, what it takes to become a master of something. Uh, and he's he's not attributed, but he sort of defined around the boundaries of 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert at something. And so I started reading up on that. And I discovered that when I asked myself a question, when I was doing code katas, what was I practicing? And I discovered, I'm, what am I practicing? I, I'm practicing problem solving. I got good at problem solving with code katas and figuring out how to tackle them. Uh, I started reading more of uh, Erickson's work and he has a book out as well uh, that, uh, that I read, but I read that after I'd read the research papers and essentially boils down deliberate practice down to five things is one, there's, you need to have a motivation to attend. You need to have some sort of incentive that brings you there and be present and to, to be engaged with it. And then number two, it has to sort of leverage previous knowledge. You have to know about something in order to get better at it. And then 
the third part would be it you have to exert stress it has to has to push you in some sort of way and i i sort of focus on grit with that you have it builds grit and then obviously there's a feedback loop that needs to be in place for the one of the fourth principle and then uh repetition over and over again and austin i'm sure you know having having worked with kids with sports you you know that right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah um I fall back on a number of different metaphors and, you know, metaphors, sports ball metaphors are there. You know, you can say, you know, do you golf? Well, how many times do you go to the golfing range? Mm. Yeah. Uh, ba- baseball, basketball, free throws, batting practice, all those things. Musicians, you know, I'm sure that there are musicians that practice a piece of music. Well, actually, my son, when he was practicing piano and learning the piano, he would play a piece over and over again, and I'd get sick of that piece. <laughs> um, but you do the same thing over and over again to get better at it. Mm. And there are deliberate ways to do it. And especially with golf and batting practice, where there are lots of things in your head, you can't juggle all the things and get good with all the things all at once. Mm. You have to focus on that one tiny little bit. Um, and, you know, the metaphor I have, or one of the things I talk about is, if I were to tell you, or let me establish a baseline, we are all professional typists, right? Yes, I think so. Hopefully. We get get paid to type. I got my keyboard here too. Do you type? Oh, nice. Do you type at 200 words a minute? I don't Probably. know. Not, not quite. No. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times people, most, most developers hover around 40 to 60 words per minute. Yep. Some will push the extreme and maybe be in the sixties and eighties. Mm. If I offered you a million dollars at the end of 30 days, if you could type 200 words a minute, what would you do? <laughs> Deliberate practice. I think. <laughs> You you would go. I would to have a motivation. Over. Yeah, it, it's your motivation, yeah. but you would start practicing. You'd get a typing tutor, right? Yep. Oh yeah. And and oh, you would be practicing. Oh, you know, you'd be doing nitro type or whatever the typing tutor you find is, and you would be doing a lot. Well, you know, I have an interesting story, just kind of on the the teaming side of it or the mobbing side is like yeah. the um, when we first started mobbing the uh it was like we, we had one person on the team that was kind of a hunt and peck typist yeah um and you know i think like autocomplete and other things kind of got them by uh and we we just specifically just dived into uh, we we had retrospectives and one of the retrospectives was like the there's too much of a disparity between typing speeds between the mobbers so in yeah. the rotation there's a noticeable slowdown so Mm-hmm. So then uh, we decided that the entire team would start practicing uh, typing. Everyone got a little bit faster. The hunt and peck typist got much, much faster. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was like kind of diminishing returns, but uh, there was like a, you know, it created a motivation that I think that's like a, an unforeseen consequence of mobbing, I think, is that uh, just baselining such a commonly used skill. So it was, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing. And 
there was yeah. motivation, knowledge, there was stress, there had to be grit, <laughs> there was feedback, and then there was repetition. And we we spent like a good month or so just we had dedicated learning sessions, and during those learning sessions, we practiced typing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's when when I discovered deliberate practice and sort of the, the structure around it, that's when I really started to play with a couple of different concepts. One is there's also a thing called the learning performing distinction, mm -hmm. which it's behaviorism and it's human psychology. And it says the brain has two different ways of working. One is when you're uh, in a mode to, to be doing work and producing things. And the other is learning mode. And when your brain's in one of those two modes, it doesn't do the other mode very well. And that's that's why we are professional typists. We don't type 200 words a minute because when we are working, we're in that performing mode and we're optimized to not make mistakes and to not make those errors that help us to learn. And so, so when I discovered the rules of deliberate practice. And then I started playing around with some human behaviorism and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then my, my youngest uh, or my kids were starting to work with tools and things like that. And I discovered that they had to learn how to use a screwdriver, a simple screwdriver that we all know how to use. And, but they had to figure out, Oh, you put it in and you have to put pressure and you have to turn righty tighty, lefty loosey. And you have to do all the, that that had become a tool for me and I didn't have to think how to use it. Yeah. And that's the expertise and the mastery that the practice in a safe learning environment gives you. Yeah. And uh, that also reminds me just even even our refactoring tools. It, when we were when we were in person, a lot of the time it would be sticky notes all over the screen with shortcut reminders. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, and but often I think there were times where we would take learning sessions and just say, like, try and refactor this without typing anything except for shortcuts and yeah. not using the mouse, right? Um, <laughs> and so so that was also like a deliberate practice thing um i don't know that anybody's done that in like the last like five or eight ten years or something like that that was like a long time ago but right um but yeah that, that was also kind of a natural consequence of it of like yeah when i was first mobbing it was a lot of like how did you do that there what what just happened on the screen i don't understand like especially for extract method people like when the first time somebody sees extract method like they're like what just happened and <laughs> That's black magic. How yeah, did you do that? Exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, exactly. so ReSharper or ReSharper or JetBrains has uh, some great tool set, you know, the presentation uh, plugin for it that yeah. shows the, the keystroke down at the bottom is awesome for that. And ensemble programming, pair programming, mobbing, things like yes. that. Yeah, anything in a presentation <laughs> or in a, yeah. And, and the tool, tool divergence, I think has, has, gone there but uh i do like the jet brains tools a lot because they do they make that sort of stuff easy mm -hmm. yeah. so i had one one fault question so yeah i i uh, i love all the what you're sharing and the passion of deliberate practice maybe i missed it but what is the what's been the big misunderstanding with katas and deliberate practice oh, yeah yeah so when people are doing a kata they're they're not going they're not approaching it mm -hmm. and coming in with 
what am I going to practice today? Hmm. Okay. So for instance, you know, Chris brought up uh, keyboard shortcuts. Um, one, one, of the, one of the things I like to do, and obviously with FizzBuzz, is if I'm working with a group or myself, every once in a while, probably about once every couple of months, I'll go, huh, let's see here, my trackball or mouse doesn't work anymore. How can I navigate, how can I do FizzBuzz with no mouse or keyboard? <laughs> And, and in that, I'm getting a different type of learning. I'm, I'm learning those shortcuts. I'm pushing that. And I'm, I'm doing the motivation to it. I, my motivation is I got to finish FizzBuzz. This is my thing. I got to finish FizzBuzz. Previous knowledge, yes, I know FizzBuzz. I know some keyboard shortcuts. I sort of know how it plays in. And then there's you know the, the stress. Well, oh, okay, extract variable is, wait, Am I on a Mac or am I on a PC? Is it control or is it command? <laughs> am I <laughs> yep. am I in ReSharper? Am I in IntelliJ? Am I in WebStorm? Yeah. yeah. And then repetition and feedback, boom. And, yeah, and I... it's all based off of that initial kata that I'm going in. When I go in and I practice, when I play with a new kata, like some someone comes up with uh, the you know, soda stream kata. I'm looking over my soda stream. Uh, <laughs> there's a new kata, soda stream. I will actually play with it. And I will say, I'm going to learn how to solve this kata. And I will do that for one to three or four or five times until I get comfortable with solving the kata. And then I can say, okay, well, what do I want to learn when I do this kata next? Do I want to learn a new language? Mm -hmm. Do I want to learn a new design pattern? Uh, what do I want to do? So that's that's how I twist doing a kata into effectiveness with deliberate practice. Mm -hmm. Did that answer mm -hmm. your question? Yeah, it does a lot. And I think it it's uh, kind of going back to your list of five things. What was it motivation? previous knowledge, grit, feedback, repetition. And I think you're right. Like without that, that mindset of what am I practicing? Uh, I've seen people be very stressed out in katas because it's, it's almost, it's almost, you almost have the work in progress problem of too many. Right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. or you have zero, right. You're just like, I'm just going through this kata aimlessly and I have no goal. Right. Yeah. And, or it's, you know, like you said, uh, my goal, I'm trying to learn a new operating system, a new keyboard, a new programming language and design patterns and TDD. And we're doing it all in this kata right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, it, um, it's funny. Cause I think, you know, maybe Austin, you and I were at a conference at some point and we were, and often if we were like teaching people mob programming or something, it would be like, Oh, let's choose the kata. Which kata do you want? And like, there's a giant list of katas. And then I think at some point we were tied, maybe, maybe, it was, maybe you and I were talking or maybe it was somebody else, but it was like, um, it was like, actually, let's just tell everybody to do FizzBuzz because the mobbing is the thing that's different. So like, yeah. like, I don't know, I know for sure I myself was making the mistake of giving too many options, too much choice in that, because it really was like, you know, skill overwhelm. And, uh, so yeah, I, I like the idea of really focusing it in and, and, and the misunderstanding of it. That's good. Mm -hmm. So when I started, when, when I discovered deliberate practice and started really trying to, to use it and leverage it, 
and practice, deliberate practice. Um, I deliberately said, okay, code katas, they're good. I, I like them. So how, what's the simplest, easiest, dumbest code kata that I know that I can practice, that I can practice the skill with? And I guess this tra transitions into fizzbuzz too. Um, and it was fizzbuzz. It, it, I couldn't come up with a simpler code kata in in my mind. It's like it's fizzbuzz. It's doing mod three, mod yeah, <laughs> yeah. five, mod fifteen. Um, and okay, and I then I started playing with that, and I discovered number one and. The problem is the lie. When you're doing practice, the problem is the lie. Um, <laughs> and and that's the distraction from it. And I, I came to exactly the same thing that you did when you were trying to talk about or when you were talking about working with ensembles in in a crowd setting is, well, the problem doesn't really matter. And in fact, it's a distraction. How can we simplify it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You want the, the the fluent edge. The thing you're striving to learn is ensembling in that in that case that Chris was talking to, right? And so I guess yeah. Anytime you're using a kata, what what is your what are you what are you practicing? And it and there like I like what you said too is you can use a kata for a million different things. You know, I think traditionally it's thought of oh this is how you learn test driven development or uh, yeah. something like that. And certain katas have uh a goal in mind like the tennis kata for example uh is, mm -hmm. is clearly a refactoring kata uh yep. the author had in mind um but you can it doesn't mean you can't use it for other things too right and so um and i think that uh is quite wonderful in a way because it's an inf it's a it's a, it's a room with infinite possibilities of coaching i suppose and learning so yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it, this might be a good segue to talk about why fizzbuzz is the best kata of course <laughs> <laughs> so fizzbuzz the one kata to rule them all the, yeah yes um so i mean i i've done fizzbuzz now over a thousand times probably probably approaching more around two thousand times yeah um I use it for practicing all sorts of things. And I also use it, it's, I've, I've turned it into a tool for myself. Uh, it's not a kata anymore. It's a tool. And I use it for learning new languages. If I, if I'm going to pop in and learn uh, closure, I've not had a chance to play with closure much. I would come in, I go, okay, closure. How do I do FizzBuzz test driven? Okay, I would I would learn a bunch of things in that small little example. I would learn how to set up my environment. I would learn how to do test-driven development with it. I would learn some of the basic logic structures within it. Then I would say, okay, that was a good experiment. Now let's do it again from scratch. And this falls back on part of um, uh, code retreat and you know game of life, doing the game of life over and over again is level it out, start from scratch, bring it back up. And I keep doing that until I'm proficient with it or get a good feel for it. And then it's like, okay, now how, what would be the next step for it? And so with FizzBuzz, when I started doing that, I would, uh, I would say when I'm in shape, I can do FizzBuzz in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's complete test-driven using triangulation, um, 
and it's meditative and sort of centers me and gets my mind thinking, oh, okay, I'm here to code. Mm. Uh, I I fall back in in the Seattle area. There was a, a baseball player that was beloved by the Seattle Mariner fans, Edgar Martinez, and he he was a designated hitter. He just went up there and he hit the ball really well. Yeah, and and I can I just picture myself as Edgar Martinez in batting practice before the game, just hit right up the third baseline, up the third baseline, up the third baseline, in between first and second, in between, and okay, I'm ready for the game. And so it's not uncommon for me when I'm coding um, on a project to start a morning off five, 10 minutes fizz buzz and just centers me in and says, I'm ready to go. Um, I've used <laughs> fizz buzz for design patterns. I've used fizz buzz for uh, strategy pattern, chain of responsibility, visitor pattern, state pattern, um, obviously facades and all sorts of different design patterns. It's, it's a stretch. Believe you me, it is a stretch <laughs> doing these patterns with FizzBuzz. You sort of have to close your eyes and squint a little and go, oh, I can sort of see that. But once I figure that out, uh, for instance, the chain of responsibility or strategy pattern is super simple with FizzBuzz. Mm-hmm. I do that like three or four times and it's like, oh, okay. And then I start seeing the pattern in other code. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is a quick little refactor. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point now, you know, I use it for interviewing candidates. Um, if, if someone's interviewing with me and I'll give a spoiler to anyone who's interviewing with me, uh, and it's an in-person or one-on-one interview with me, odds are you're going to do FizzBuzz. We're going to do test ping pong. And it's going to take anywhere from uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And then at the end, I have a surprise question for you at the end that really turns it on its head. But that's <laughs> that's the joy of it, is yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm pair programming. I'm doing test ping pong. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you think about it with sports or other things, you have a warm up for the day, right? You just don't like, mm-hmm. like, you know, jump into the middle of the game, unwarmed up, you know, uh, <laughs> completely cold, right? But how often do uh, we wake up in the morning, I join my mob, and we're like in the middle of a thorny legacy code problem, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yep. good morning, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a really interesting idea as a, as a warm up, um, and it's it's fascinating hearing all the different ways you can use it. And one thing I liked about uh, I haven't used FizzBuzz for design patterns, but I think my go to for design patterns is the Roman numeral kata. But I think it's the same idea; is it's pretty okay. simple. Um, but the nice thing about it is it might, especially with some of the patterns, it might be over refactoring, over engineered for real production code. But again, the point of the kata is to learn something, right? And so if your goal is to learn the decorator pattern or the chain of responsibility, and especially something like the chain of responsibility, which can be a little more complicated in real code, when it's done with something like FizzBuzz, there's not much else there other than the pattern. So it's much easier to see, (laughs) you know? Um, 
And so I think that that uh, that was a big part of my refactoring journey. Um, I believe was katas in the sense of, hey, what you you know practice the pattern until it's like you have the essence of it in your mind and it's like ingrained, and then you can see it in much more challenging spaces like legacy code. Um, yeah, but to try to see it in legacy code first is a is a more difficult journey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That so you know I, I I talk about the creation of a tool. There's a, a Michael Polanyi quote. He's a mathematician philosopher, 19th century, that says, "When an object be when you stop thinking about how to use an object, it becomes a tool." And that to me is what you're talking about when when I practice it and with FizzBuzz and say the chain of responsibility. I TDD first the basic implementation of FizzBuzz, my go-to implementation. And then I have got all my tests in place and I refactor to that strategy. Yep. And so I've got the guardrails in place. I can do everything safe, safely and I can back out my changes because mm -hmm. I'm doing micro commits, yada, yada, yada. Um, so with that, it it allows me to go to that and keep doing that until that switch goes. And it, it's a, it's a progression from learning about something to learning it, to becoming proficient with it and then gaining mastery over it. Mm. And so when I stop thinking about the strategy pattern, how to implement it and just go, Oh, that's a strategy. And that's a strategy. And that's mm -hmm. a strategy. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's not forced into a context. It naturally fits because you just see it in the in the problem, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Um, getting kind of the social side of it, I had some follow up questions. Um, yeah. And the awesome thing about doing kata socially is uh, you learn from others, as we've kind of talked about, and also with design patterns too. What we've done before is comment out the old implementation, then have the design pattern below it, so you can kind of compare and contrast and talk about it. Yep. Amongst the team uh, until people feel like they're understanding. Um, and often the design patterns too, you can do one iteration of it and then you can see if someone else can navigate the next iteration of it. Right. So for example, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. an easier example, well, I guess in a chain responsibility, the next chain, right. So yep. we've, we've peeled off two chains. Anybody want to navigate the third one? Right. Um, yep. So are the links or the links is that? Yeah. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. 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 Uh, nice. Um, so on the social side of it, I I see I've seen this um, potential dilemma going back to the motivation versus repetition, right? Yeah. And so, if someone is personally motivated to do katas by themselves, they they won't have a problem with repetition. Mm -hmm. However, with the group, I've seen a motivation problem before, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially when you start hitting repetition two or three. Mm -hmm. um, how do you generally operate with that? If, if you, you know, in the kind of social space of katas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that gets down to in part, or it feels to me like it gets down to the part of collaboration or collaborative programming. And I sort of cut my teeth on coaching for coaching pair programming. It was coaching pair programming, coaching TDD at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I would do when I would do my intro to pair programming is I would ask people, why don't we pair program? 
why why don't you want to pair program this is safe space let's talk about it mm. and people would come up with a list, you know, it's a waste of time. It's inefficient. Uh, we don't have a physical setup for it. We, you know, all these different excuses. The one that was most frequently left out was fear of looking stupid or fear <laughs> of not knowing. I'm a, I'm a principal developer here and I can't look dumb in front of all the other lower developers. Or I just started here and I'm scared for my job and I want them to think that I know everything. And so to me, the the hurdle to getting the collaborative thing is to find an environment or create an environment so they can collaborate safely uh, and feel like, hey, I can make a mistake or I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, the the For me personally is... I strive, this is this is my own inner self that is always coaching myself, trying to get better and better, is I continually look for better ways to do things and realize I have a bias towards this is the way I've been doing it. And change is hard, but change could be good, but I may not see the change because my blinders are on. And my opportunity to open those eyes is to pair or ensemble with groups I have never done it with. Um, for instance, I've got a pretty set way of doing FizzBuzz these days. One of the last great changes that I made to it, and this, this happens in the test-driven test ping pong cycle, where, okay, it's okay to copy your test in FizzBuzz. We've, we've resorted to that. It's okay to do that. So you can copy and paste. If you copy and paste... Do you change the test name first or do you change the test internals first? And it's like, huh. Well, that was a debate until an intern came in one day when we did a copy and paste. And he, that intern said, you know, if I interrupted you right now in that copy and paste, you'd have a green test and you can't change code. <laughs> if, if, if you change the name first. It's like, yes. huh. So you can't change the name first. You have to leave it in a broken state, leave the name broken, change the internal so the internal assertion is correct, and then you change the name. That settled the argument that eight <laughs> other crafters were having, and it was by an intern that came in. Nice. It was awesome. Yeah, that is. That is. Nice. Yeah, we, we've definitely seen that too, where just a different perspective and uh just even different experiences and like you said lack of experience sometimes brings the best novel questions and insights <laughs> and yep. sees, sees the thing everybody else is looking past yeah yeah um or the 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 folks that are right out of school and haven't been in the industry for very long they're awesome to develop with because i get a refresher on the latest and greatest ways to do things because they're like, oh, why are you doing it that way? This is the way I learned it. It's like, huh, let's talk about that. Uh, and I I get an opportunity to change myself too. It's, yeah, no, it's, um, fear is a hard thing to, to deal with regardless of, you know, if you're new, if it's uh, just different. And, you know, that one of the things that's, fun about where I'm at is, you know, we really promote 
psychological safety. And I got more of an ex exposure into that and emotional security, uh, EQ kinds of things. And it's, it's amazing what can happen when that is in the forefront of, of the ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that could be, uh, you're talking before as what are we practicing today in the kata? That could be what you're practicing, right? Is, and you can model it first. So if you're the coach and you have the titles, but you say, Hey, I don't know this. And can someone else teach me this? You know what I mean? Like you're opening the door for other people to do that as well. Right. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could even use it as a organizational or team therapy tool. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, I got caught with something today, you know, kind of speaking of motivation, you know, and, and like, it wasn't fear necessarily, but it was, it was the why. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that like, you know, kind of to go, to go back to that same question, I think also there's often times where I catch myself leaving out the why, because I just assume that the why is there. And in deliberate practice, I think that is something that I hadn't thought about in a long time, just in this conversation is um, if you just say, hey, let's do this kata over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, either it's fear or it can also be why. Yeah. Right. And, and <laughs> so, so like, I, I think that I've seen that happen a lot where it's like, oh, hey, let's get together. We'll, we'll mob on this, this kata. We're going to do fizz buzz. Why are we doing fizz buzz again? We've done this a million times before. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, so yeah, I like that might be an aha moment for me right now is just the, like, oh man, like, cause, cause today I had a conversation and it was, it was literally, it was something like, oh, we heard you say that this would be a good idea. So we did it, but everybody just thought it was a waste of time. We did it anyway. And I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, tell me like, if that ever happens, like, no. Um, and so it was, it was really funny. Cause I was like, okay, first of all, like, please, if you ever, ever think that again, come to me, but, right. but also, or, or even just don't even do it because like, if you didn't know why you're doing it, then don't do it. Yeah. 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 Um, and and then I think on top of that, it was a, a good reminder to me and especially like reinforced in this conversation is like always start with why and, yeah. and deliberate practice. Like if you're ha if you're starting a cot over and again, um, nailing down like we are going to get faster at typing FizzBuzz or we are going yeah. to get faster at refactoring FizzBuzz or we're yeah. going to learn more of the shortcuts or I think that that um that's like, oh yeah, there is something, some new level to unlock by doing FizzBuzz again. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and, and maybe that motivation might be intrinsic uh, a little bit when you join fellow crafters. So I think our last topic too, this might be a good segue there, is you know immediately when you're working with fellow crafters, what does it mean? And uh, so, yeah, Steve. <laughs> Well, let, let me ask you, and, and obviously people are going to be watching this as well, too, is have you ever just sat down with someone to write code and realized, oh, this person knows what they're doing. They're, they're a crafter. They know what I know. And you immediately are productive. I mean, by immediately productive, I mean within five minutes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. The uh, for me, often it's even nomenclature. Like it, it, it's like they know the vocabulary. If I say triangulate, like you said triangulation earlier, and I mm -hmm. bet that a lot, even even some of our viewers may not know what triangulation means in the context of TDD. Yeah. But that's like a vo vocabulary word that I think I've had a lot of trouble with is because people that have experience, long time experience in TDD don't know the term triangulation or what it implies for a code base. Yep. And and so it's like, yeah, they get the vocabulary. They um, they immediately like suggest a design pattern or something. Uh, can't tell you how many times I've been caught with like, Oh, or if I'm surprised somebody knows the strategy pattern and then like, sometimes this is at conferences, right? Like you sit down with a group of people and they're like programming together and, and they're like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're implementing the strategy pattern for this. It's like, Oh, like I, I, I can, I, I know that you probably know a lot of this vocabulary. We have yeah. a lot of the same context. We can just jump right into it. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I totally agree. I like, uh, I've had that happen many times. Yeah. Yeah. Or if someone comes in and says, okay, so are we going to be doing pairing? Are we ensembling? What's yeah. our rotation cadence? Uh, are we going to be doing Pomodoro? Uh, you know, all, all of these things, if someone sits down and is gonna code with you and say, okay, let's, let's set some ground rules. How are we gonna approach this? Are we doing true TDD, test first TDD? Are we doing a spike? Are we, you know, all of that, if someone sat down with you and did that, you'd immediately go, oh, he's in my tribe or they're in my yeah. tribe. I, I, uh, I mentioned I was in a I was in a meetup yesterday and uh, I had meant I, I had explained to, to everybody what TCR is like the test commit revert <laughs> practice. Uh -huh. And like everybody there was like, oh, my God, you're, that's insanity. Um, and, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like actually. You know, people wanting to work on something or even production work in a TCR style is yep. fascinating. And that's like, you know, some people are will welcome the pain mm -hmm. because they are gritty and have motivation, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. all very interesting to me for sure. So, and um, that's exciting, I think. It, it to is. Answer your question it's... about like, what does it mean? Like, I get excited in that environment. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And and there's a spark. You go, oh, I, oh, so this is this is going to be like <laughs> that. OK, let, let me roll up my sleeves. Let's yeah. let's get dirty now. <laughs> let's let's talk about. Yeah. What tools are you using for TCR and what how can we play with this? Yeah. 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 And I think and I think uh, for me, there's an there can be an excitement either way. Right. So if you come into a team or a mob. And you're with them for a while and you realize, okay, no test has been written and there's been no refactor step for three hours. You know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, well, there's some, some things I, I have to offer here to this team, <laughs> you know, to help, mm -hmm. help with. And also, I think there is a lot of what you know immediately, but then there's this other level, um, kind of borrowing the term semantic diffusion from Martin Fowler, where sometimes people get good at the language game of throwing around the terms but when the rubber meets the road, when there's a hard decision to be made, right? Like, do we uh, do we ship now or not? Do we move on or not? Uh, do we leave the code smelly? You know what I mean? Like, that's when I think you really find out 
not just as someone familiar with craftsmanship, but is it in their bones, so to speak, or, you know, and, and not to say that if you ever concede any of those situations, it means you're not or something, but it's just, I think it's kind of like you often know what people believe by what they do, (laughs) you know? And I think, I think that goes a long way too. Um, But I think you're right. Usually if someone's familiar with the terminology, it's it's a high indication, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh, but not always. They have the motivation to practice it and to understand it. Sure. Yeah. But they Mm -hmm. may, I mean, you're right. They may have been forced into it. Right. Right. And maybe there wasn't actually genuine motivation, but begrudging compliance. (laughs) Right. Uh, And that could lead to that. What, what's the old uh, saying that you are, you are what you do when no one's watching? Yeah. <laughs> right? um, and, and that's the case for development is, you know, you are what you're doing. You, you're the type of developer that you're allowed to be when you're, no one's watching. Um, and, you know, I, so one of the things I, I mentioned interviewing uh, already once and that's one of the things that I, I've been known to do from time to time for places I'm at and Llewellyn Falco introduced me to this thing called the six minute interview mm-hmm. and the six minute interview the sole purpose of this interview that interview is to tell you if you want to invest more time hours of more time of the company and of the person being interviewed to learn about their how their how well they code, um, and I've done this now, and I've captured metrics on it for well over two hundred people, mm. and it's a six minute, not really a refactoring, but there's structure, there's code there, there's all this many distractions in it, and the whole purpose of it, and it's told to them is talk me through what you're thinking. You're not expected to finish this. Just talk me through what you're thinking when you're doing this over the next six minutes. Mm. And about 30% of the people that I've interviewed are completely silent that entire six minutes. (laughs) But I can generally tell a crafter within the first 30 seconds of that just by how they approach it. And it's got a test file. It's got a not it's got the code that's supporting the test file how they approach it and how they work with it it tells everything it it breaks through and gets that knowledge or that that communication of how comfortable are you with tests yeah. what is your practice behind it what makes a good test what makes a bad test mm. you know it's not about fixing the tests it's about how you work with it yeah. Yeah. And, and I like how you phrase it because it's not like that six minutes is everything, but it's a an experiment that gives you more data to decide what to do next after the six minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. And man, I want to keep going, but we're getting close on time. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, any final thoughts or anything you want to share a plug before we close? Um, you know, I, I want to play with more crafters. Uh, I if you if find find ways to be inquisitive and get better at your craft um yes i do tdd tdd is my my modus operandi 
currently, but I'm always looking for a way to get better. If you got a better way than TDD, let me know. I'm happy to change. I'm absolutely happy to change. Same thing with collaborative programming, ensemble pairing. I'm Show me a better way. Yes, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, the final plug, um, Seattle Crafter Meetup uh, happens on the fourth Thursday of every month. Uh, it's online. Uh, we're 10 a.m. Pacific time. We have a lot of speakers that come through, and hopefully, Austin, Chris, you guys will be coming next couple months. Um, yeah, and we like to talk about CodeCraft, how we get better at what we do. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Steve. It was a joy having you on. Uh, the neurons are firing. I'm feeling inspired. So thank you for that. And uh, if you're feeling the same in the audience, uh, please share this with someone who, you know, maybe wants to learn more about deliberate practice and understanding the nature of katas and how FizzBuzz can be used for good for anything. <laughs> and uh, uh, figuring out how to uh, identify and collaborate with other crafters. Uh, so yeah, um, please like and subscribe. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts, just like Steve was saying. Uh, we're hoping to hear other ways, and uh, you know we're, we're on board to hear it. So uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and more, uh, let us know your thoughts and feelings. Uh, but until next time, everyone, uh, mob on and have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, everybody. See ya.